Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to pastoral leadership. Now, the ideas for the podcast come from a lot of different sources, but this one is unique. This podcast actually emerged out of a different podcast that I did when I was a guest on another podcast a few weeks ago. On that podcast, the uh, interviewer asked me to address issues of pastoral identity during the pandemic and why so many pastors were struggling with their role and identity given all the changes that had been forced on them in their ministry context. And he recounted some stories of talking with numbers of pastors, including interviewing several, who talked about the difficulty that the pandemic was bringing to them as it really uh, stripped away from them a lot of what gave them their identity as a pastor and gave them their sense of validation, of accomplishment, and of value in what they did. So I want to talk today about pastoral identity, but particularly uh, pastoral identity in a pandemic and what this pandemic has done to reveal some issues perhaps in our lives as ministry leaders and particularly as pastors about pastoral identity, where it comes from, how to preserve it, and where it really needs to rest uh, uh, for for effectiveness in the long term. Pastoral identity has been shaken uh, by the pandemic. Pastors are doing much less preaching, and when they are preaching, they're not preaching in rooms full of people that are giving them instant feedback and affirmation and response. They're doing less visitation. In fact, in most cases, they're doing virtually no visitation. And if they are doing any kind of personal interaction with people, it's behind a mask, which is uh, disconcerting in itself. Pastors are doing less face-to-face counseling, certainly trying to connect with people by uh, video conference or FaceTime or even the phone, but sitting down in the room with someone and actually helping them process the problem they're dealing with and the biblical solutions, that's not happening. Pastors are uh, leading and attending fewer meetings. There's not as many staff meetings, deacons meetings, elders meetings, and other kinds of meetings because people can't get together in most places because of shelter-in-place rules. And overall, there's just much less interaction with people. This is hard for many pastors who thrive on the personal relationship aspect of ministry leadership. And so during the pandemic, uh, pastoral identity has really changed. Less preaching, less visitation, less counseling, fewer meetings, uh, fewer opportunities to interact with people. It's certainly changed the ministry dynamic and landscape in very significant ways. Now, all this forced inactivity and force of change of activity has revealed an important issue for many pastors, and that is they place far too much dependence on what they do to establish their identity. Far too much emphasis on what we do to establish our identity. Now, this often is revealed at retirement. And quite frankly, now that I'm in my 60s, I'm thinking about this. How will retirement someday redefine my identity? I'll lose doing all the things I currently do in ministry on a daily basis. Now, that doesn't mean that I'll retire to a life of inactivity, 
but it definitely means I won't have the pressing responsibilities, engagements, uh, uh, preaching moments, and people to deal with that I currently have. Now, while sometimes people move toward retirement and say, oh, I can't wait for all that to go away, the hard reality is a lot of this activity is what gives us our sense of purpose, validates who we are in ministry, and quite frankly, establishes our identity as leaders. Identity is often connected to productivity. And the pandemic has revealed this in the lives of many, many people that normally don't go through this until they get to that retirement moment and have to really think through it or work through it. Now, pastors do many important things. Uh, They preach and teach and counsel. Uh, Pastors evangelize, make disciples. They train leaders. Uh, Pastors administrate. They provide a relational bond, sort of a connectivity, if you will, for a lot of church people who uh, feel that in some way their connection to their pastor uh, is vital to their relationship with their church and even to their relationship with God. Uh, Pastors also work outside their own congregations. They give denominational leadership by serving on boards or serving as officers and serving in leadership roles. They also give community leadership by doing the same things, boards, leadership roles, and other responsibilities in their community. Pastors do important things, and I don't want to minimize that in any capacity. Uh, Just because I'm talking today about the importance of moving away from developing identity based on what we do, that doesn't mean that what we do is not important. The, The solution here is not devaluing what we do, not in the least. The real solution to the problem is finding ways to define identity and determine worth apart from these activities. That's what's going on right now with so many of you. You're struggling because all of the things that give you pastoral satisfaction, pastoral accomplishment, pastoral validation, and frankly, a sense of pastoral identity have been taken. Now, you're scrambling to try to replace those with innovative or creative ways to accomplish ministry function and purpose, but hard reality is things are different, and it results in you feeling different about yourself and about the work you do. The subtle temptation that sometimes isn't all that subtle is that we will develop insecurity and frustration and discouragement and doubt because when what we do is largely stripped away from us, then who we are doesn't really satisfy this deep longing that we have for a strong sense of identity. Pastors are like every other person in this regard. We must find our identity in something other than our performance, our production, or our projects. You have to find your identity somewhere else. And then out of that identity that you've discovered somewhere else, out of, that, out of that identity, you can then perform and produce and work on projects and meaningfully engage all of this doing that is part of pastoral ministry. But the doing then emerges out of the being. The doing then is a result of the identity we've discovered in some other resources, 
and it be, and it becomes less of a treadmill trying to achieve something and more an expression of love and service and devotion back to God. So, where is pastoral identity rooted and how can we establish our identity much more clearly and much more effectively by separating it from what we do in a functional basis? Well, first of all, Pastoral identity is rooted in the following. Number one, it's rooted in being made in the image of God. God made us in his image. We are his image bearers. And that is more than just a theological theory. It is a profoundly important affirmation because it gives us intrinsic value. Every person in the world is made in the image of God and because of that has value. That's why every little baby has value. That's why every uh, uh, child with mental or physical challenges has value. That's why every aging person of any culture, nationality, religion has value. Every one of us has intrinsic value because we're made in the image of God. And the beginning foundation of our identity, that first stone to lay down, is that stone. I am made in the image of God. Second, pastoral identity is rooted in being redeemed as a child of God. Now, God made us in his image, and that establishes value, but then God redeemed us and made us his child, and the redemption price was the life of his son, the Lord Jesus. That redemption value establishes in another way this incredible value that we have to God and the incredible value we should place on our lives as a child of God. We are uh, made and then purchased, if you want to say it that way. God made us. And then he redeemed us. Uh, He established our value by our creation. He affirmed our value by our redemption. Then third, our pastoral identity is rooted in being called as a leader by God. God has called us in some unique and mysterious way that's unique and mysterious for every person in some way that's not the same as every other person. God has communicated to pastors, I want you. I want you to serve me. I want you to serve me in a special way. I want you to take on leadership responsibility. I want you to take on a leadership mantle. I want you to stand in the front. I want you to chart the course. I want you to take the people forward. I'm calling you. Now, When God calls, it establishes, again, our value, our uniqueness, our importance to God. Have you ever received a phone call or been a part of a phone call from an important person? A number of years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer, and I was discouraged about it. I came home from church on a Sunday, I think the Sunday before my surgery, actually, I had preached that day, and that may have been the last time I was going to preach for a while. I remember I was laying on the couch, and I was feeling kind of down about the whole situation. Phone rang. I picked it up, and 
person said, Jeff? I thought, who is this? But I replied, yes. And then he said, this is Bill Cruz, the president of Golden Gate Seminary. Well, I immediately sat up on the couch and brought myself to attention and put the phone to my ear and said, Dr. Cruz, what can I do for you today? And he said, well, uh, nothing. Really, I just called because I heard from a friend that you have cancer. And I wanted to call today and offer you my support, let you know I'm praying for you, and ask if I could pray with you as you face this surgery in a few days. Well, I did not know that Bill Cruz knew that I was alive on planet Earth. I may have met him at a meeting or something, but as a pastor in the Pacific Northwest that was leading a growing church, he had somehow identified me through some means and called me out of the blue to say, I care about you and I'm praying for you. And that phone call meant so much to me that now what, 25 years later, I'm telling you about it on the podcast? When you get a call from somebody that you perceive is important, that really matters to you, that, that you look up to, it means a lot, doesn't it? Last week, I received an email that said I was invited to participate in a phone call with President Trump and Vice President Pence. Now, I wasn't obviously going to be able to converse with them, but I was invited to participate in a phone call with uh, religious leaders from across the country, and there were several thousand that were on the call. It wasn't a private thing at all. But nevertheless, I got the email. I was given the call-in information. I was given the password. And when I called in, a person came on the phone and said, uh, thank you for calling in today. This is a private phone call uh, with President Donald J. Trump and Vice President uh, Pence. If you're not a clergy person or a religious leader in the United States of America, please hang up the phone now. The call is off the record and uh, will we'll not have any uh, public statement uh, regarding this call afterwards. And now with those ground rules established, I'd like to introduce to you the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. And President Trump came on the phone and said some very personal things about his faith and about his commitment to the country and about his dependence on us to pray for and support and stand with him. And his, uh, made, he made some inclusive statements about all religion. It wasn't just a Christian minister's call. It was a clergy call for people from various backgrounds. And he did that for about 10 minutes, and then he turned it over to the vice president. He talked for about five minutes. Then they had some other people that came on and just gave two or three minute statements uh, from different perspectives, Jewish, Catholic, uh, Protestant. And then at the end, uh, he called on some leaders to pray for the country and for him and his leadership. Now, I am uh, in many ways uh, like apolitical. I, I, I don't endorse candidates. I don't tell people who I vote for. Uh, I don't necessarily like everything about the current administration. I don't dislike everything either. I'm like a lot of Americans when it comes to politicians. I think they're all a mixed bag, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when the president of the United States calls you, you want to take that call. Even if you're on there with a lot of other people, you know that while there's only a few hundred or maybe a few thousand on that call, there's millions that don't get that privilege. So when that call came, that call mattered to me. What I'm saying is, God has called us, and because God has called us, he singled us out. 
He said, I want you. I want you to be a leader. I want you to step forward on my behalf. I want you to take responsibility. I want you to wear the mantle. I'm counting on you to do something unique and, and, and special in my kingdom. I'm calling you. And our pastoral identity rests partly on that call. Now, I've said three things so far. Pastoral identity rests on being made in the image of God, being redeemed as a child of God, and being called as a leader of God. That's three foundation stones you can put down about your identity. Now, here's the fourth one. Pastoral identity is rooted in being assigned a role by God. God has given you a role. He's given me a role. He said, this is what I want you to do. This is your part to play. Now, when I was coaching baseball for all those years and some other sports too, I would often ask my team a trick question early in our practicing and getting ready for a season. If it was a baseball team, I would ask them this question. What's the most important position on the field? Well, you'd know the answer. Someone would say pitcher. Someone would say catcher. Some of us say shortstop, and those are all really important positions on a baseball field. But that's not the right answer. The answer to the question, what's the most important position on the team, is the position I'm playing. Because if you don't play your position well, the rest of the team won't be able to function. So don't worry about who's playing third base or who's playing left field. If I send you to first base, just play first base and play it well. Because the whole team is depending on you to do your part to make all of us successful. I'd say the same thing to you this morning, pastors. God has placed you in a role. He may have placed you in a small church, may have placed you in a, grow, in a, in a large church. He may have placed you in a revitalizing church or in a planting church. God may have placed you in a hard church or an easier church. He may have placed you in a church that's going to require a mountain of work to move it forward and another one that's already got momentum and is going fine. We need to accept the place that God has assigned us and value that as a part of our pastoral identity, not our identity in the sense that look at our achievement, look at our accomplishment, look at what we've done, because quite frankly, in some places, it's going pretty hard right now. That's not what I mean. I mean that you get your pastoral identity by saying God identifies with me so much so that he has placed me and given me a job to do in his kingdom. That's how much God values me. So the foundation stones of pastoral identity are being made in the image of God, being redeemed as a child of God, being called as a leader by God, and being assigned a role by God. In that foundation, you can find real identity. That means pastoral identity requires then these affirmations that come out of those foundations. Number one, God made me. God made me uniquely and precisely. God made me. He made me the way I am, with the strengths I have, the capacities I have, the abilities I have, the interests I have. God made me, and that is good. Now, once you've established that, God made me uniquely and precisely, and it's good. One of the great benefits of that affirmation is it lowers the comparison threshold that you have with other people. 
So rather than constantly saying, I'm not as good a preacher as that person, I'm not as good as an administrator as that person, I'm not as good a counselor as that person, I'm not as good with people as that person, I'm not as good as others, you can stop the, 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 the incessant, ceaseless, and pointless comparisons and simply say, God made me. And it's okay that I'm not this or the other or compared to that person or compared to this person because that's not what's most important. What's most important is that I accept the reality that God made me. Second, affirmation. God saved me. He has established my value now, and I have relationship with him for eternity. Now that is security. In fact, we even call that doctrine in Baptist life the security of the believer. Well, I always thought security of the believer was primarily an after-I-die kind of doctrine. So I thought, well, security of the believer means when I die, I go to heaven. Well, it does mean that, but it means so much more than that. A number of years ago, a mentor made this statement to me. He said, Jeff, you are as secure today in Jesus Christ as you ever will be in eternity. And I realized security of the believer is not an out there doctrine. It's a right here doctrine. Security of the believer is not a in the future doctrine. It's an in the present doctrine. And so when I say God saved me, that gives me value now and security. I don't have to worry about life, death, difficulty, trouble, heartache, None of this stuff is going to really affect who I am in my identity because I have security, eternal security, through my salvation relationship in Jesus Christ. So God made me, and God saved me. And third affirmation, God called me. He has a purpose for me to accomplish. He called me. He didn't call that person. He didn't call her. He didn't call him. He didn't call anyone else. He called me. And that call from someone very important to me, the God of the universe, that call matters. It is a great validation in my life. It says God has a place, a purpose, a point for me, and I accept that call. God, finally then, number four, God has placed me, which means he wants me to fulfill my role, not someone else's role. He wants me to be me, not someone else. Man, this is so important. It doesn't really matter what you do in ministry. There's always someone that you'll compare yourself to and find yourself to come up a little bit short. You know, I've been doing this for a long time now, and I look around at other people that are more uh, well, that are more that are recognized more than I am, or more successful than me in some ways. Their school is bigger, their church is larger, they're able to raise more money, they seem to have more gifting in uh, in evangelism, or more gifting in marketing, or more gifting in something than I have. I, I, I look around and I just see all these people, and I say, Lord, I mean, really, <laughs> what am I doing here? And then God reminds me, I placed you right where I wanted you. Now, I've called you, I say, I made you, and I saved you, and I called you, and I know exactly who you are, and I know exactly what you can do, so I want you to just do what you're supposed to do where I've placed you, where I've placed you. A few years ago, I was talking with the board of trustees here at Gateway, and I said something like this. I said, I'm not the best seminary president in the Southern Baptist Convention, or certainly not in the world. I'm not the best ministry leader by far in the SBC or in the greater work of God in the world. But I said this, 
but I'm the best leader I can be right now in this place at this time for this school. And that's the way you should feel about where you've, where you've been placed. It doesn't matter how you compare to other people or whether you think you should, uh, or whether you think you, you match up to others in other contexts or other settings or other situations. God's placed you. He made you. He saved you. He called you. He knows what he got. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what you can do. And he said, now, I'm going to place you where I can really use you. And when you're the best you, wherever I place you, that'll be enough. Because where I place you, what you've got and what you can deliver and what you can do and what you're strong at and what you're capable of and what you're going to accomplish, that's just what I need in that position. Now you say, well, I feel misplaced here. Perhaps God wants you in a different position. That's another podcast. But if you are where you are and you're content you're supposed to be there and you know God's placed you there, just get busy. God made you, God saved you, God called you, and now God's placed you and he knows exactly what he's doing. Be the best you in that context. Lead out of who you are, out of what you know, and out of what you're able to do, and God will be pleased with his placement. You know, when pastoral ministry, excuse me, when pastoral identity grows out of these foundations and these affirmations, then these results occur. Number one, when pastoral identity grows out of these affirmations, when we do our work, our work will be fulfilling. Not onerous, because now our work grows out of our identity rather than seeks to establish our identity. When you come to the deep conviction that God made you, God saved you, God called you, and God placed you, you can gleefully, joyfully, happily go to work every day and say, I am delighted to serve because out of who I am, I get to do these ministry leadership works. It's not onerous anymore because you're not trying to gain something that you can never get by that means. You're trying to express something that you already have by a different means. Second, when pastoral ministry grows out of these affirmations, it means our work emerges from our relationship with God instead of tries to earn or validate it. Look, leaders are production-oriented people, and we can easily fall prey to the temptation that if we just do enough good stuff, God will like us more. That is never true. God made you. God saved you. God calls you. He's already demonstrated that he loves you, that he accepts you, that he values you, and now he's placed you where you are. All of that emerges out of relationship with God, not in order to gain relationship with God. And then finally, when pastoral ministry grows out of these affirmations, we see our kingdom work as a kingdom contribution, not a means to build our kingdom. Wow, this is painful to say, but sometimes even ministry leaders get caught up in trying to build our own kingdom. We want a bigger ministry, a bigger budget, a bigger church, a bigger building, a bigger opportunity. We want to be well-known, to be respected. We want to be famous. Well, 
That's all trying to build your own kingdom. And when you go to work every day to try to build your own kingdom so that you can establish your identity, you'll come up empty at the end. But if you can, assume, but if you can affirm that you have identity in your relationship with God, you have identity because God made you, God saved you, God called you, God placed you. You have that identity settled. You have relationship with God and it's settled. Then you go to work every day to make your kingdom contribution. And you don't have to do what everyone else does. You don't have to do anything else anyone else is doing. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody else's results. You simply show up every day and say, God, this is the assignment you gave me. You sent me to this small town to pastor this church. You sent me to this classroom to teach these students. You sent me to this school to administrate this project. God, you sent me to this mission field to plant your gospel in this location. God, you sent me to do a little bit of your kingdom work, and I'm going to contribute to your kingdom rather than try to build mine because I'm identifying my identity is in you, and the work I do is an expression of that, not to try to gain it. Pastoral identity. The pandemic has stripped us of so many things that so often define who we are. It's caused us to come face to face with the reality that our identity cannot be defined by what we do on a daily basis. Identity has to rest on something much deeper. I think it rests on these foundation stones of being made in the image of God, being redeemed as a child of God, being called as a leader by God, and assigned a role by God. And off of those foundation stones, you make these great affirmations. God made me. God saved me. God called me. God placed me. And when you're able to do that, you have established identity. And now you are free. Free to go and do all these things that ministry leaders enjoy doing, not in order to find our identity or establish our identity or even validate our identity, but able to do all those things as an expression of the identity we have in the deep, meaningful, profound relationship we have with God. Think about it. Put it into practice. Establish your identity on something other than what you do. Put it into practice, as I've taught it today, foundations producing work that establishes a kingdom contribution. Do it today as you lead on.